0: Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they
1: want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Kalele Kulona, and this is Nashville. We are in the second month of Mayor Freddie O'Connell's administration, and wow, has the mayor been busy. He's not hiding under a desk, he's out there on the streets and at events meeting the people he serves. One way he's serving the people of Nashville and Davidson County, he's here to take your phone calls in a segment we're calling ask the mayor. Every third Thursday of the month, the mayor will be here to take calls directly from you, our listeners. You have a question for Mayor O'Connell. All you have to do is dial 615-760-2000. That's 615-760-2000. And we will take your call. Now, before I begin, I'd like to go over some ground rules again. Mayor O'Connell is busy because he is the mayor, y'all. He's taking time out of his day to do this service. At the end of each show, you all hear me say, be good to each other. And I really mean that, especially today. Mayor O'Connell is a human being, just like you and me. Respect is imperative in this segment. So when you call, treat our call screeners with respect. And should you get on air to talk with the mayor, please be respectful, especially if you're feeling frustrated. Got it? All right, good. With that, I'd like to welcome Mayor Frenny O'Connell back to This is Nashville. Mr. Mayor, good to see you again. Good to be back with you, Khalil. How have things been
2: for you since the last time we saw you? Uh, A lot has happened. Um, we certainly have the things we are working on, uh, day by day to improve the lives of Nashvilleians and kind of continue our mission to make it easier to stay here. And those things are uh, going well. And then you have the things that, uh, happen in the world that are unexpected and you just wind up having to respond to. And just the past few weeks, we've seen a few things that were pretty significant moments for the city. One was we, uh, retained local uh, control of our airport authority mm-hmm. uh, after a unanimous ruling from a judicial panel uh, reinstating an airport authority board. But even that, uh, at yesterday's meeting, we we believe that we have two vacant seats. But the people that uh, are metro legals. Uh, analysis says have vacated their seats to join a now defunct state board uh, showed up anyway. Okay. So there's a legal dispute over that. Um, You probably saw the difficult moment where um, the families uh, just absolutely traumatized uh, by the Covenant shooting, like most of the city was traumatized, Uh, but that school community uh, being at the epicenter of a, of a des- devastating tragedy, a mass school shooting on their campus in their community, had old wounds reopened by the unauthorized release of what appeared to be uh, the shooting, uh, the writer, uh, the, the shooter's writings. And this is an interesting one because it opened a lot of conspiracy theories. And the truth of the matter is, uh, right now, uh, there is no office in this city that I. Could go into and demand that those writings be released, but it's also fascinating that people rushed immediately to uh, conspiracy minded thinking instead of compassionate thinking for the families impacted by the shooting itself, who in fact are the people saying we think it's bad for public safety for uh, these to be released and then, um, you know, I was heartbroken to spend time with the Belmont University community after uh, they lost a student to a a random act of gun violence in the nearby Edge Hill community. And so uh, we continue to look at the criminal legal implications of that case where um, we had seen somebody who was deemed incompetent to stand trial for a previous charge and yet uh, not in a position of uh, qualifying for involuntary commitment or otherwise have sort of a mandatory mandatory mental health treatment or halfway house scenario unfold. So lots of complexity still out there in the world. And then um, we are continuing as a community to grapple with the the local impact of the conflict in Israel and Palestine. And so we continue to have concerns about safety. You might have seen we had... uh, literal nazis people who use the uh, symbolism of nazis here in nashville over veterans day weekend at the same time we had uh, the families of world war ii veterans participating in our actual veterans day parade uh who part of whose charge was literally to defeat nazis and so it's a little bit of cognitive dissonance out there in the community over that um and then graffiti that was anti-Semitic uh, mm-hmm. on I-65. And so we're we're trying to respond to all of those things. It's a lot. It's a it lot to a deal lot. with. How are you holding up as you you know confront and tackle all of these issues? Well, the good news for me is we've got a great team in the mayor's office that we have been steadily building since we got sworn in. We have some people who we were delighted uh, chose to accept our invitation to stay as a part of the team. And then they have been joined Uh, by some people we uh, intentionally wanted to recruit to that team. So the best part for me when I arrive at the office and then step out into the world uh, is that I know that I can be present in the community pursuing the uh, relationships with people that I know are important to me and uh, being all over the county, working on some of the things, being participant in conversations about everything from safety to infrastructure because I know the team that is Working on this stuff every day is as passionate as I am, and uh, intent on getting things done. Uh, the other thing is, you know, I'm very lucky to be in a position where our family understood this, worked through the campaign with us. I think we've got a good overall um, household rhythm, uh, and I'm I've just been consistent and disciplined about uh, the the daily sleep schedule and all of those things. Um, to make sure it's not just fundamentally constantly overwhelming. Yeah.
1: Look, you put me up on sleep schedule game. I'll tell you that. Um, let's go to our first caller. We've got Lisa in East Nashville. Lisa, you are on with Mayor Freddie O'Connell. What's your question? Hi, Mayor.
3: Um, I was just hoping to talk to you and ask if you're willing to enact maybe some safety protocols to protect vulnerable and marginalized communities. I am one of your Nashville residents that has long COVID, which affects one in five adults and one in five children. And I've been disabled from long COVID for over four years now. And I'm hoping that you can help not only spread awareness on the issue to limit the rise of long COVID patients as there's no treatment or no cure, but also help maybe enact some safety measures so that, for example, someone like myself who would like to get boosted and do so safely without putting themselves at risk by going into a pharmacy or a doctor's office where no one is masked. Essential spaces are essentially no longer accessible and could permanently disable someone like myself.
2: This is a great question. And I will say um, one of my concerns when I took office was that uh, our Metro Public Health Department had actually disengaged somewhat from Uh, the vaccine process and responses. And I get it. I know that we have seen a lot of blowback uh, politically, but we've been having this conversation. And one of the things that I have tried to work on from not only a public health standpoint, from a communication standpoint already is let's have not only comprehensive awareness about availability of, but to your point, let's make sure that as a public health entity, we are offering what vaccines are available. We're being very clear about insurance requirements and who can be eligible for what and what is covered and what is paid for. And that is true, not just for the COVID vaccine, uh, but also the flu vaccine and the new RSV vaccine. And we have been pushing on MPHD since I took office and we've still got some work to do there because as somebody who frustratingly, and, and you know, look, I'm in a role where, Uh, the two times that I've gotten COVID most recently have been from public environments, including the very last council meeting that turned into a super spreader event. Uh, And so it's something that's on my mind because I'm not even eligible to get the updated booster yet. But when I went to look uh, at Metro Public Health resources, they weren't up there. So that is that's a challenge I've issued to our Metro Public Health Department. And I appreciate the position and plight you're in, and I'm I'm working to get our public health apparatus to respond. The harder part is on a city-wide basis. I think it is going to be difficult in private scenarios, to your point about pharmacies, but that's why we've got to do our level best at the the public health uh, points of access that we have some control over.
3: Thank you.
4: I agree.
2: Yeah, All thank right. you for the call. Thank you so much, Lisa. Okay, now let's go to
1: go to Matthew in Inglewood. Matthew, you're on with Mayor Freddie O'Connell, what's your question?
4: Hi, Mayor. Um, my wife is an MNPS school teacher. I believe your mother, if I understand, correctly, was as well. Yes. Um, we are big public school supporters here. Uh, my question for you today is what do you see as the most important steps in providing the best possible uh, public school options uh, for people in our city, and what can community members like ourselves do to support that?
2: Yeah, this is a really great question. Um, I mean, the, the best-case scenario is when every... Every family with school age children uh, can rely on the quality of the school closest to them. Uh, but we know in, in Metro schools for years, including the neighborhood we chose to live in 16 years ago, has offered options for people uh, n- known as zone options so that they might have uh, yellow bus access to a school that is not as close by. And then, of course, we've got Uh, several schools that have some open enrollment capacity, and then we've got a network of charter schools, a mix of locally approved and uh, state-authorized charter schools, and then we've got magnet schools and specialty schools like Nashville School of the Arts or the Big Picture High School. Um, I will say, I think right now today, um, we're in the fortunate position that as a, a family with two working parents, we can still... Uh, make choices that we think are good for um, our, our overall household logistics as a working family, but also for the success of our daughters in education in our public school system. I would say most families in Nashville actually have uh, good options within the metro school system, but we do need to continue working on quality in every school, uh, and we do need to continue to make sure that people understand what their options are so that there isn't a default assumption that it's like, oh, I live in a neighborhood where, uh, you know, if I go to whatever GreatSchools.org, or if I'm looking at comparative uh, school quality, the school closest to me isn't a good option. I don't want people to end their search there. And similarly, if they hear from anyone, whether it's a realtor or a colleague at a, a new workplace, if they're relocating to Nashville from somewhere else. I don't want conventional wisdom to dissuade people from being there. And that's part of why I think my job as a Metro Schools parent is to celebrate the excellence we see in the scenarios where our daughters are while also um, pushing for the accountability we know we need not only there but in in the rest of the uh, schools to get up to a level of satisfaction. We've got to be able to um, end an era of enrollment declines by inviting people back into the school system. But in order to do that... Uh, we're going to have to demonstrate performance. And that's something I'm constantly working to partner uh, with Metro Schools on. But I think at the end of the day, we've got um, great investments happening right now in early childhood literacy. Um, It is important to remind people that we've got some incredible uh, early learning centers that Metro Schools operates um, and that there are just fantastic programs Uh, in almost every school, and then programs like NASA uh, that work on the out of school time as well that the city is supporting. So we've got a comprehensive array of options. Sometimes it is about awareness. I think from your standpoint, uh, I always encourage people to know who their school board member is and just like your council member and build those relationships before you ever need them. Uh, And then uh, you've got just really remarkable opportunities to get involved with. Raising Readers Nashville, any school that has a pre-K program has opportunities for volunteer readers. I've always tried to take advantage of those. You've got programs like the Pencil Foundation where you can uh, go in and volunteer or contribute supplies. There are incredible volunteer uh, and philanthropic opportunities, just even for small donors, so I encourage you to be involved in that way, too. All right. Thank you so much, Matthew, for your
1: call. Now, Mr. Mayor, I want to ask you something. We just heard that. It looks like the Morris building, the the historic Morris building, that was designed by the McKissick McKissick and McKissick, Moses and his brother Calvin, has been sold. Now, this is a very historic landmark for African Americans in Nashville. It stands on a plot of (laughs) land that was once used to sell enslaved people. Then, once the building was created and constructed, it became a hub for African American business. This building, I was a part of a forum earlier this year, to protect and save the building. It's a big issue for Um The news that it potentially is sold, how do you respond to that?
2: It's hard to know. This has been a, a complicated conversation for us, and a couple things I'll say. I used to represent District 19 on the Metro Council where this building is. Um, I was out there for the placement of a historic marker, uh, that Dr. Lee Williams at a TSU was involved in that spoke to that uh, history. We also know of the history of that building that it was uh, black designed. It was the, the heart of a black commerce district in Nashville. Uh, we know there has been interest in putting a civil rights museum there. Uh, then Mayor Briley's urging, I served on a committee that looked at some options, including office space for Metro, a museum concept, uh, affordable housing on some of the upper floors. Uh, The hard part about it is there are really two difficult components. There is the purchase price of the building, which has ranged anywhere, I've heard prices from four to more than $10 million. Mm. And then there is the cost of uh, rehabilitation of the building, which every single analysis I've looked at has put at the $25 million and up range, because it's also a height constrained building. Even if it were demolished, if you were to build a new building on that site, um, there's kind of a, a view shed for the capital uh, constraint on the height. So, from a market standpoint, it does have some challenges. There's a separate owner for the parking lot right next door. I would love to figure out a plan um, that the likeliest outcome is a public private partnership where Metro could participate in acquiring the building, but we would need probably a multi year plan for restoration of the building so it didn't just sit there parked for years in the way kind of that it has been. But I will say, um, since I have been in office, we have not been contacted by uh, the publishing board that owns the building. Uh, We have not been contacted by whoever appears to have the building under contract. I mean, we're we're kind of in the position of hearing the same things that you're hearing. Mm. Um, and I think what we would like to do is is build a plan, but in order to do that, uh, we would need a partnership first with the group that owns it, uh, and then we would love to have somebody available at the table uh, that either it's a museum partner or um, an operator of some kind for some, some of the space in the building, because um, at this point, Preservation is the key goal, but the use that is there would help. Now, there is an easy path that could be done in partnership that is completely free, which would preserve the building uh, in perpetuity, which is just a land market. But generally, when we do that approach, and this was the tension that I had when I was on Metro Council that I hoped we would get to through that um, the preservation process that Mayor Briley presided over is... We don't usually landmark properties against the wishes of the property owner. Um, But I will say uh, it would be devastating from a a cultural history and just generally built environment. It is a beautiful building. Um, And if it were demolished, I think that would be a devastating loss to our built environment landscape. So we are looking uh, at what we can do. It's just, it is very difficult to imagine spending $35 million or more with an uncertain future for it. And that's where I think we would need to figure out what is the actual vision here. A lot more conversations are going to be needed about
1: Absolutely. it because it's definitely a landmark and a historical place for Nashville and Well
2: and- I will say, I hope that, you know, Council Member Jacob Koopin, who now represents District 19, is very invested in this. I know Council Member Suara is invested in this. I was at the panel that you were at the National Museum of African-American Music. Uh, was that last year, maybe, or earlier this year? It was year? earlier this year. Um, it's It's something I care a lot about, and if we can't get to... Um, a negotiated outcome about ownership and use of that building, I do think it is still worth keeping the landmark option on the table. All
1: right. You're listening to Ask the Mayor with Mayor Freddie O'Connell, where you call in and the mayor takes your questions. Just call 615-760-2000. That's 615-760-2000. We're going to move on to Jane, who is in WeHo. Jane, welcome to This is Nashville. What's your question for Mayor O'Connell?
3: Good afternoon, Mr. Mayor. Like yourself and most Nashville residents, I'm very concerned about the increase in guns being stolen out of cars, despite the hundreds of messages to remind the public not to do so. Do you think maybe it's time to institute a substantial fine uh, for the people that have guns stolen out of their cars? Do you think that might help remind them better than all the media reminders.
2: So here is the hard part, Jane, is that we have no local authority to do that. We literally cannot issue a citation to irresponsible gun owners on the basis of current state law. Um, What we have looked at is every tool within our uh, local authority, including uh, dispossession of firearms for people who have been involved in domestic violence scenarios. Uh, But I can't go instruct the Metro Nashville Police Department right now to issue citations because state law uh, currently favors gun owners. Now, I will say this was a hope for people during the special session over the summer. I think it is still a hope uh, for people when the General Assembly comes back in that we do look at. Um, how we disincentivize people from being so irresponsible now that the state does allow guns to be stored in vehicles. You may remember several years ago, there was a guns and trunks bill that kind of put us in this situation in the first place. Um, Even looking at disincentives, though, is tricky because Mm -hmm. another bad outcome there is if you made uh, steep penalties, then you run the risk of people who are irresponsible gun owners not reporting the theft because they would know... Uh, then that they would be held accountable in a different way. And so suddenly now you have illegal guns on the street and they're not reported. So uh, even the gun owner uh, steps out of the equation. So we're we're still looking at how you could do it. I think one of the ideas that was put forward at the state level was offering incentives for secure storage in vehicles that if you are going to keep your... Uh, weapon in your vehicle and it is legal and all of that, that, hey, at least we're going to try to give you a pathway to doing so safely. I think that's a step in the right direction, but I I am definitely on the lookout for every opportunity we have to hold people more accountable for that. So I, I absolutely anything, share your concern.
3: Is there anything we members of the public can do to help you address
2: the, the issue? Uh, make sure you pay attention. Um, there are organizations out there that I work closely with through the summer, like Voices for a Safer Tennessee, that are constantly looking for um, gun safety measures that are common sense and bipartisan. And I would, if you aren't familiar with them uh, or um, other organizations like Moms Demand Action, these, these organizations are looking at um, how we can get more accountability here? Because a lot of—I mean, you know it—the the issue here with the epidemic of guns getting stolen from vehicles is frankly one of irresponsible gun owners.
1: I'm Jane, aware of that. Jane, thank you so much for your call. We really, really appreciate it. Now, I don't—I really don't want to make light of this issue because it's very serious. But I grew up just in the suburbs of Baltimore. You locked your car door. I'm wondering—is this a cultural thing?
2: Well, it's more than that. So I'll give you an example. In our neighborhood, because of this combination of relaxation of state laws over the past few years, uh, you can keep your gun in your vehicle. You no, no longer need a permit or any kind of training to own a firearm. So there's really no, there's no protocol for, I mean, you could go to the gun store, buy a gun, leave it on the passenger seat uh, in your car at home, or even in your glove box unsecured. What we see in our neighborhood is what too many Nashville neighborhoods are seeing, or or parking garages downtown are seeing, is people now know that you're storing a gun in your vehicle, and it doesn't matter if you lock your door, they will smash Mm -hmm. the window, and if there is a firearm in there, they'll leave petty cash lying around. What they're looking for is the firearm. Okay, now let's talk with Travis in South Nashville. Travis, welcome to This
1: Is Nashville. What's your question for Mayor O'Connell?
3: Hey, thanks, Kaleer. Hey, Mr. Mayor, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well,
2: thanks, Travis.
3: Great. Yeah. So my kind of question and concern has been uh, recently just road safety driving around Nashville. Um, I feel like I've always been of the mindset that if I drive safe and pay attention, that, you know, is enough to kind of keep me out of trouble. Past few years around town, it just seems more and more people are taking advantage of being able to break traffic laws to get around traffic using Turn lanes to avoid it, and then cutting across multiple lanes of traffic to get a different direction and things. Um, high rates of speed, obviously. You know, even just the other day, uh, there was an incident where an off-duty metro officer was hit.
2: I was just going to say, I wondered back. if you were aware yeah. of that incident because it speaks to exactly your concern.
3: Yeah. So it, it seems like it's it is a known problem. Um, because that was my thought too. Like, they just, just not know that? it seems to be getting worse out there and making commuters and drivers just feel more unsafe to get out of the house and go run their errands or get to work. Um, kind of another component even with the last caller is just last week I was on my way to buy groceries and I was involved in a shooting. I got shot at. Uh, my car was hit by gunfire. So it's it's it just seems like a, a collective the roads are becoming seemingly more unsafe than what I've felt being in Nashville for now over 10 years. And my question, I guess, to you is what can be done, what can be addressed um, to, to try to balance this out a little bit?
2: Yeah, it's a it's a really important question, and it sits at the intersection of a few things because you've brought up the public safety uh, scenario too. We have seen a troubling number of incidents of road rage, uh, one of which terminated a couple of years ago in our neighborhood in a way that was, again, uncommon from not just my history of growing up in Nashville, but the number of years we've been in our neighborhood. Now, uh, those kinds of things, um, you know. It's. It, I think that's why all of this comes together. So there is the issue where we Metro Nashville Police Department is very engaged in this, and it, it covers everything from uh, drag racing and illegal street racing, which has become an increasing issue across the city, uh, to the other things that you're talking about, where I've I have literally downtown watched somebody who was behind me at a red light in the left lane, bear left around my car into the turn lane and turn right yeah. through a red light. Exactly the kind of situation you're describing. Um, MNPD is aware of those kinds of scenarios too, and they are looking to be um, re-engaged in um, serious safety-based traffic violations. I mean, they are, they are working to increase um, their engagement in that issue. So I think that's overall a good thing. But it's one of the reasons too, uh, we've got our Transition committees that I created as we were taking office to help kind of guide uh, The principles of this administration one of them is how Nashville moves and it we saw last week a report that showed We've got the worst commute in the nation too. Um, yeah, I that. <laughs> right, and so that's based on Years of underinvestment and in infrastructure simple things like sidewalks and neighborhoods, but also active mm-hmm. transportation options and certainly transit uh, but it's also one of the reasons everything you're describing is why Metro's traffic calming program is one of the most popular programs within Metro, where when we have open enrollment for neighborhoods to sign up for things that would slow traffic down by infrastructure design in their neighborhoods, we have so much more demand uh, than there even is funding available to do that. But it's why uh, I'm very glad that our Nashville Department of Transportation has embraced uh, Vision Zero. We are trying to move our infrastructure design and our enforcement capacity around trying to reduce fatal car crashes for motorists and for pedestrians and cyclists. And I think that uh, is something I'm very focused on because last year was the deadliest year on record for pedestrians. And Mm -hmm. part of it is distracted driving, but part of it is unsafe practices by motorists. And so we're trying to do it on all fronts. We are trying to improve Infrastructure. We are trying to improve transit service levels. We are trying to improve lighting. Uh, we are trying to improve enforcement where we know those traffic violations are occurring. Also, while supporting neighborhoods uh, that are trying to keep their kids safe, uh, or just you know keep those walks to the park or the library in the neighborhood safe too. So I I am very aware of the um, the lack of safety that you're experiencing on the streets because I've seen it myself uh, in both forms, yeah. kind of the road rage yeah. and the uh, unsafe driving choices scenarios, and we're we're very intentionally working on that. All right.
3: really briefly, on the enforcement issue, is there a, potentially a lack of resources at, say, metric reform that just they're unable to even address some of these things because they're dealing with other serious you know matters? like is is that potentially a part of this equation as well?
2: Somewhat. They constantly adapt their strategies to to be based on what the challenges they see on the ground are and what they know um, the public in Nashville sees. But I will say, um, just today, I was welcoming two new classes of police recruits at the training academy, uh, and Chief Drake has us on track. Uh, to by next year finally have full staffing at the budgeted positions in the Metro Nashville Police Department, and that'll be the first time that's true, in, I think over a decade. So, wow. um, we are we are moving in the direction of having the level of staffing that they have told us is necessary for a long time now. Uh, for the first time since I've been in elected office, and that's a big deal. But um, that's just
3: good to hear too. I yeah. Issue.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that good good public safety momentum there. But I think some of it too is just this hasn't been as big a problem. It used to be you may see somebody speeding on the interstate or you may see somebody run a red light every now and again, but the the kinds of incidents that you're talking about have definitely increased in Nashville, and so they've had to adapt some of their resources, but we're focused on it.
1: All right, Travis, thank you so much for your call. Really appreciate it. We have another call, last call for the this segment. Hank from Green Hills, who's calling about pedestrian safety. Hank, welcome to This Is Nashville. What's your comment for Mayor O'Connell?
4: Well, it's a question, really, uh, Mayor. I, I, uh, it has to do with pedestrian safety, and it seems when I hear on the news of a pedestrian being hit, it's usually not in neighborhoods like mine, Green Hills. It seems to be more on, on multi-lane uh, streets, highways like Nolesville Road, Murfreesboro Road, Dickerson Road, and Charlotte Pike. And I just question whether or not when we do traffic calming, we have neighborhoods like mine and Forest Hills and Oak Hills, which have much fewer uh, pedestrian incidents, competing with one another for those scarce resources. And I wonder if we shouldn't put more uh, emphasis on the statistical analysis and, and really put the resources where it would do the most good.
2: Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And there are two things happening at once, just to give you some confidence in this program. The the traffic calming program operated by NDOT right now, the Nashville Department of Transportation and Multimodal Infrastructure, is very analytical. In fact, we've had neighborhoods that I used to represent when I was on the Metro Council, frustrated because of the scoring in other neighborhoods too. And that's what NDOT is looking at, is effectively what are the speeds what are the pedestrian volumes all those kinds of things meanwhile on the corridors we are looking at larger infrastructure projects where they're we're trying to take advantage of federal programs like safe streets for all uh, where we've got some grant applications in and that includes corridors just like nolensville uh, where i fought for some additional funding as we looked for Um, funding for potential funding for a parking deck at the zoo on one of Nashville's most dangerous corridors for pedestrians. So we're doing two things at once. They don't really compete that much against one another right now, but um, it is true that multiple neighborhoods all across the city from north, south, east, and west Nashville all want to participate in those traffic calming programs, but one of the reasons that program is competitive is because it is very... Uh, analytical on the basis of what's actually occurring on the ground in neighborhoods and how the infrastructure design is and where, you know, there are a number of things that happen on the scoring metric. And so they take all of that into account. And, I, you know, I, I hope that gives you some confidence about how we're allocating the funds.
1: All right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you thank so you. much for your call. Really appreciate it. And Mayor O'Connell, I want to thank you for coming in again to on the show to, and have take the questions from the people. It's really important, and we really appreciate that you do this. Glad so to be here. We'll see you next month. All right. See you then. Thanks, Khalil. All right. We've got to take a short break. When we come back, we'll have a Metro Council update from the woman who brings you inside the Council Chambers. That's right. Nicole Williams will be here to give you all the information you want to know. So just call seven six seven six six one five seven six zero twenty ten 2010 to ask your question. And if you can't call, you can always join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Kaleole, Kelowna, and this is Nashville. All right, so over the past month and a half, we've introduced a new recurring segment on the show. It's called Inside the Council Chambers, where we give you a satirical breakdown of the actions and movements that happen within our Metro Council. Why did we take that approach? Well, sometimes people just like to be entertained while being informed. Kind of like Schoolhouse Rock, right? And if you don't know, Google it. And, you know, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here, but we all could use a good local government civics refresher from time to time. The person who puts it all together is Nicole Williams. She is our local Metro Council expert. You can reach her on Twitter at Startles Easily, and you can also find her biweekly column on the Metro Council at the Nashville Scene. She's awesome, and she's great, and she's here with us now. So now is your chance to ask her a question about what Metro Council is up to, what's happening with a particular district or council member. You can ask her about how the Metro Council actually works. So get on the phones and call. And I apologize. I gave you the wrong number as we were going into the break. It's 615-760-2000. That's right, 615 615- Seven six zero two thousand to ask your questions of Nicole. I'd like to welcome the Metro Master Nicole Williams back to This Is Nashville. Good to see you again.
0: Good to see you too, Khalil. I'm a little frustrated that you're trying to tank my segment already by giving people the wrong phone number.
1: You know, I'm really sorry about that.
0: It's okay. It's okay. Everybody wants to talk to the mayor.
1: They do. They do. But we also want to talk with you. So, But let me talk to you about this. You have been studying Metro Council for a few years now. Yes. You're the expert. For anyone who doesn't know, give us a little bit, tell us a little bit more about how you became so obsessed with our local Metro Council.
0: Well, I will first say that I don't trust anyone who calls themselves an expert, Um, so I will never call myself an expert, but you are welcome to call me an expert.
1: Okay, yes. (laughs)
0: Um, I, during COVID, had a lot of free time, and at that point, I actually only knew one Metro council member, and that was then council member Freddie O'Connell, because I had worked at Metro for a couple of years and uh, done work with... Um, homelessness, and and he was involved in that effort as well from the council perspective. So I had no clue what the Metro Council did, um, who was on the Metro Council, and I discovered Metro Nashville Network during COVID, um, and that's it used to be Channel Three, um, or Metro Three, they used to call it. So I realized there was this huge treasure treasure trove of videos, recordings from metro council meetings and board and commission meetings online and I just dove in um, and I'm kind of a completist when it comes to that sort of stuff. So I went as far back as I could and, and became a little bit obsessed with it.
1: Did you recognize then that you had entered a very very deep rabbit hole?
0: You know yes and no. I don't think I recognized that there were other people out there who would care about this. Like, I thought, I'm just going to watch all this stuff. And um, I started live tweeting Metro Council meetings when I had like eight followers on Twitter.
1: Okay.
0: Um, Shout out, Mayor Freddie O'Connell was one of my first eight followers. And people really started responding. um, And they... Were like engaged and wanted to know what was going on, and and it's been a really like interesting and fun ride.
1: What has surprised you the most as you learned about the council and how it operates? Like, what? Tell me what shocked you.
0: That's a great question. I think initially I was shocked by the size of the council. We have forty council members, and that's the third largest legislative body for any local government um, in the nation. And Nashville, you may or may not know, is not the third largest city oh, in the nation. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah.
0: So uh, I was like, traffic why doesn't do we?
1: feel like that. But well,
0: yes. good point, good point. Um, but I was like, why do we have so many council members? So I dug into the history a bit and realized it was like part of a, um, a an agreement that was made during the attempt to. Uh, consolidate Nashville and Davidson County back in the 1960s. They had tried, I think, in 1958, uh, to consolidate Nashville, the city of Nashville, and Davidson County, and had maybe 20 council members, um, and that got rejected by the voters. And so they came, went back to the drawing board, um, and and made an agreement to have 40 council members to ensure that. Um, people of color would not be underrepresented Mm -hmm. on the council.
1: Now, the segment Inside Council Chambers, it takes this satirical view of the movement and actions at Metro Council. It's kind of a soap opera-ish feel, but we can draw on other TV tropes. Yes. Why was it important to you to take this approach?
0: So what I've been doing with my Twitter account, I will always call it Twitter. Um, I don't even care. You can call I'm it whatever you. you want. Yeah, yeah, it's Twitter. What I've been doing for the past few years is really trying to bring humor to these Metro Council meetings. Um, when I cover them for the scene, also a lot of humor involved. And That's what I've found to be most engaging for people. Like it can seem really boring, but if you can hook people with humor or satire, then they want to hear more and want to learn more. Um, And I think it just makes it more accessible.
1: Mm -hmm. And if you do, if you're a fan of Inside Council Chambers, give us a call at 615 760 2000. Nicole has plenty of information that she can answer your questions with. So call 615 760 2000. Now, Have you received feedback from listeners? What have they said to you about the segment?
0: I'm hearing really good feedback. I don't think people would tell me if they hated it, um, and I surround myself with people who love and support me, so (laughs) So I'm hearing really good feedback, but what I'm really excited about is that council members seem to really be enjoying it. you know, I I think we had talked about whether council members would like it, how they would get involved um, before we started the segment. And I predicted that they would be very amused by it and uh, that they would want to hear more. And that's been my experience so far. So I'm excited about
1: that. Have they been hounding you to try to be like the subject of the segment at all?
0: (laughs) They have not. um, But I heard that, they've been hounding you about it, which is interesting.
1: A little bit. Every, a little bit. You know, in a couple outings, I see them. Yeah. and they're like, hey, this is love to be on. And I'm like, well, you do something, and we'll talk about you. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a really quick break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to be ready to take your phone calls from Nicole Williams. She is our Metro Council expert. Make the call, 615-760-2000, 615-760-2000. And in a, if a phone is out of your reach, you can join the conversation by tweeting us at This is Nashville. But... If you're tweeting, the phone is totally within your reach. Either way, we'll be back. I'm Khalile Colonna, and this is Nashville. Today we've opened up the phone line so you can ask questions about our local government. Earlier in the show, Mayor Freddie O'Connell himself was here to take calls from listeners. We currently have the Metro Council expert, Nicole Williams, with us to answer your questions about how our Metro Council operates and what are some of the big issues that they are addressing. If you have a question, it is really not too late to ask. Just call us at 615-760-2000. Again, that's 615 760 2,000 to ask your question. Okay, so I have a question, Nicole, about things. You know, I'm learning a lot about Metro Council and how it works, the intricacies of how it works from, you know, working on this segment with you, which I absolutely enjoy. But I want to know more about the committees at Metro Council. I'm curious about how they work. Can you explain that for us?
0: Yeah, that's a great question and one that I get pretty frequently. Um, Also, I'm just going to assume that there are so many people calling in that the phone lines are just completely tied up. So uh, anyway, going back to Metro Council committees, when you look at like the state government or federal government, committees can kill legislation. Like if your bill doesn't make it through committee at the state house, it doesn't get to the floor and it doesn't, but it can't become law. Um, At the Metro Council, the committees function more in an advisory role. Um, A few years ago, they added the ability to effectively kill bills through an indefinite deferral over the uh, objection of the sponsor of the bill. Indefinite meaning sometime in the future. We just don't know when and we aren't going to say when. Um, but there's also a mechanism in the Metro Council rules for the sponsor of that bill or resolution to override that indefinite deferral. So it's not like it's 100% dead if that happens. You can resuscitate it. But for in most instances, bills go through the relevant committees. Um, they're assigned by the Metro clerk to committees. And... Um, that committee talks about the bill, gets into the details, asks questions of the relevant departments, and then ultimately makes a recommendation to the full council. So even if your bill, quote unquote, fails in committee, it still goes to the council floor for a vote by the full council.
1: OK, OK. Thank you for that. explainer. We have a call from Gabby calling from Georgia. Interesting. Um, mm. We have a call from her. Let, let's get to that. Gabby, thanks for calling us, Gabby. Welcome to This is Nashville. What's your question for Nicole Williams? Oh, yeah. So
3: my question for Nicole is how do I go about going to council meetings and figuring out what's going on in my district?
0: That's a great question. So the Metro Council here in uh, Nashville, Davidson County meets on the first and third Tuesday of every month at 6.30 p.m. at the historic Metro Courthouse, which is easy to remember, it's one public square. Um, So that's downtown and uh, you can get your parking validated or you can take the bus or ride your bike. And if you want to get in touch with your district council member or learn more about what's going on in your district, you can go to nashville.gov and uh, navigate to the Metro Council page. And there is a link to, um, you can actually do a lookup of what district you're in by your address, because I know a lot of people don't even know what district they're in. Mm. Um, So you can put in your address, look up what district you're in, find the contact information for your district council member. um, And that's a really good way to start that engagement.
1: Gabby, thank Thank you. you, Thank you so much for your call. Really appreciate it, Gabby.
3: Thank you. I appreciate your answers.
1: Yes. Now I got a question about the meetings. You're at the meetings a lot. Yes. How many citizens are attending the meetings on average?
0: It really depends on what is going on on the agenda. So a typical meeting where there aren't many controversial items, there's maybe a smattering of, uh, you know, public members in attendance. Usually it's me, a few of my friends who I've become friends with because they're similarly obsessed with the Metro Council, and, you know, lawyers representing people with interests um, on the agenda. But when you have a public hearing for zoning bills, so those happen the first Tuesday of every month, those can get a little more turnout because it gives the opportunity for the public to come in and weigh in on potential rezonings um, of properties in their district. And then when we have something really big going on, like the Titans Stadium deal earlier mm-hmm. this year, the gallery was completely packed. There were not enough seats to fit everyone who wanted to be there. Okay. So yeah, it just depends.
1: All right. We have one last call we're gonna take from Hannah in East. Hannah, welcome to the show, Hannah. Thanks for calling. What's your question for Nicole Williams?
3: Thank you so much for taking my call. I was just wondering, what do you do if you want to set up a short-term rental on your property?
0: So there is a process that you have to go through if you just Google like Nashville short-term rentals. and it should take you to the appropriate page on the Codes Department website that walks you through that process. Uh, but there are some restrictions based on the zoning of your property, um, and the Codes Department would be able to tell you whether or not you are eligible to have a short-term rental. All right. Got you. And you, and you said Google what now? I'm sorry. If you just Google Nashville short-term rentals, Um, And maybe add like codes department so that you don't just get a link to Airbnb Um, That should take you to the page where where it'll have all the information and contact info for who to get in touch with at codes
1: Perfect, thank you so much. That was helpful. Thank you so much. Hannah really appreciate it now Nicole We only have a couple minutes left Um, We have a question Coming up from someone inside the house, are council members paid, and is the job full-time?
0: That's a really great question. They are paid. Um, council members make about $25,000 a year, so, you know, big money. Um, and the job is not classified as a full-time position. In Metro, it is technically classified as part-time, although talk to any council member, and they will tell you it is 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week. So they're doing full-time work for very part-time pay.
1: So it's interesting to understand when we're dealing with our council members who have full-time jobs, in many cases they have families, they're doing this extra part-time job for the betterment of all Nashvillians and residents of Davidson County.
0: Yes. And they don't have staff members, like individual council members in a lot of other jurisdictions where they have smaller council sizes, will have like a A public liaison who talks to people calling in or sending emails, our council members do all of that themselves. So when Mm. you email your council member, you're gonna get a response from your council member.
1: Mm -hmm. Really important. Okay, so next Tuesday we have the next round of Inside Council Chambers coming up. Can you give us a preview of what we may be hearing?
0: Well, I'm very excited about it. We're going to be doing a different theme. So our first episode was like soap opera themed. Our second episode, we did more of a courtroom drama. And this one, we're going to take you to the wild, wild west.
1: Oh, wow. I cannot wait. Taking it to the wild, wild west. Oh, wow. I hope there's no, well, we'll just see how it goes. It's going to be a (laughs) blast. I want to give many, many thanks to Nicole Williams for being here for Oh, taking calls and really answering these questions. We really appreciate you doing this with us, Nicole. Thank you.
0: Yeah, happy to be here, as always.
1: Awesome. The ne- like I said, the next Inside Council Chambers will be here on Tuesday's episode, so make sure that you listen. And thanks to you for tuning in this hour. This is Nashville is a production of Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by yours truly and the entire This is Nashville team. It was directed by Tasha A.F. Limley. Laura Boach is our technical director. Chaz Dath... De- Char part pardon me hooked us up by screening the phone calls he's excellent live tweeting was handled by Miss Elizabeth Burton the masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade and special special thanks to Mayor Freddie O'Connell and Nicole Williams from taking time out of their day to talk to us and to take your calls This is Nashville is a production of Nashville Public Radio and it, you can check us out at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts and the conversation doesn't end here you can always tweet us at thisisnashville find us on Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Ekaluna. We'll see you on Monday everybody and be good to each other.